The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to another live edition of What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley, and with me tonight are two priests, both of the Society of St. Pius V. We have, of course, Father William Jenkins, and also joining us on the program tonight is Father Joseph Greenwell. Reverend Fathers, welcome to the program. It's great to have you here. Well, thank you, Tom. It's good to see you, too. <clears throat> it's very good to see Father Greenwell. Yes. Father Jenkins. You're honored to have you here, Father. Yes. You're very kind. It's great to have you back, Father Greenwell. It's good to see you again, Father Jenkins. Um, you know, Father Jenkins, I introduce you each week as a, a priest of the Society of St. Pius V. Um, Father Greenwell, you're also a member of this, uh, the Society of St. Pius V. Uh, we were wondering, Father Greenwell, could you tell us a bit about the, uh, the actual purpose of the Society of St. Pius V? The Society of St. Pius V, I believe, was st established uh, to give honor to God, give glory to God, and in particular to preserve the traditions of the Holy Catholic faith, the doctrines of the Catholic faith, and the liturgy uh, by educating young men and young women in the faith, uh, in the liturgy by praying the Mass and the breviary according to the rite as it was before the disastrous Vatican II Council. Okay. okay. Thank you for that. Uh, Father, what are some of the apostolates of the Society of St. Pius V? What exactly do they do? Well, the Society of St. Pius V does many things. Firstly, it does support religious life. It helps support the seminary and the convent where the young, our young ladies go to become religious. They admin, the priests administer to the parishes and to the schools. Uh, the Society of St. Pius V also uh, helps the Catholic media, such as what Catholics believe, your own program here, and the Roman Catholic Magazine and other uh, avenues of information to the faithful. Uh, the Society of St. Pius V priests uh, are employed in retreats and for the men and women and the young adult get-togethers, which brings uh, young people from all parts of the country to meet each other and to share friendship. When I was a young man, I knew five other traditional Catholic boys, and that was it, until I entered into the seminary. And it also does, as it has for nearly 41 years, summer camps for the children. Okay. Uh, Father, tell us a bit more about the summer camps. Well, we have a summer camp for boys and a summer camp for girls. It was established by the illustrious Father William Jenkins 41 years ago when we were in Ridgefield, Connecticut at the seminary there. Uh, he uh, established it, and now we have camp every year. We've had it every year since then. Uh, we have it 10 days for the boys and six days for the girls at their own cho choosing. And this year we had a, well over 200 campers. You count both the boys and the girls camp, and we had campers come from nearly 20 states uh, all across the country as far as Washington State and California normally Florida, New York, um, 
It's a sports religious camp, and I say it for the, the reasons they have every imaginable sport you can imagine, from soccer to volleyball to archery to gun safety, and religious it has daily mass. At boys camp we have a high mass each day, and the boys sing it. Uh, we have rosary each day. We have benediction by candlelight at night. It calms the boys down and uh, gives them the religious assurance as they go to bed at night. Uh, we have benediction. We have a candlelight rosary procession once a week. We have confessions. We have service practice and choir and many other things. They make rosaries and quite a few other religious activities. Father, do you have any other priest or, or religious assisting you throughout this camp? I mean, that sounds like a lot, awful lot of activities. Uh, yes, Father Jenkins is usually there for some days usually, and uh, some of the seminarians and the priests of the Society of St. Pius V help with the boys' camp, and the Daughters of Mary help with the girls' camp. They more or less run it. I just show up for the religious duties of a priest for the boys' and girls' camps. Mm -hmm. Father Jenkins, could you um, offer a bit of your, your insight on, on summer camp? I know, um, you, as Father Greenwell said, you actually were involved in the, the founding um, of this summer camp, and you're still involved today, I understand, still spend some time out there with the boys each year. Yes, well, the, the camp began uh, in a very primitive way, in, in tents, on the shores of Lake Memonosco, uh, on the seminary grounds in Connecticut. And uh, I've actually to charge of it for a few years, but uh, Father Greenwell was willing to uh, become more and more involved and he became camp director early on after just a few years. And um, I would guess that uh, 38 of those 41 years the camp has been going on, Father Greenwell has been the director. And it's grown and grown and grown, had a record number of boys this year. And uh, again, it could easily have been a record number of girls, uh, all told also. <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, my, my main concern is what you might call the religious legacy of the camp. And, uh, and I'd, I'd like to, well, there, there are two questions I'd like to uh, direct to Father Greenwell. I will do it through our intermediaries. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but one of them has to do with uh, the amount of preparation that goes in to actually conducting the camp. Um, I'm always in awe about the the amount of effort, amount of thought, amount of uh, planning and execution that goes into um, making the camps happen year after year. And uh, maybe Father Greenwell could give us a little bit of insight as to just what is involved in preparing for and carrying out the camp and then wrapping it up each year. Um, and also, um, uh, what he thinks is the, the real contribution of the camp. What does it accomplish that makes it worth all of that effort? So, if you wouldn't mind asking Father Greenwell that. Father Greenwell. Unless you want to, you don't want to repeat all that, I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's true. I mean, you mentioned all of these countless, countless activities that happen out there. Uh, record enrollment this year. I mean, that's certainly a huge uh, task as a as a parent who, who cares for several <laughs> children each day. I know the enormous... Uh, amount of work that goes into just that. So I can't imagine um, the, just the amount of preparation that, that must go into it. So, I mean, Father, could you fill us in a little bit on some of the preparations that you take for camp? Well, about 15 years ago, Father Jenkins came up with the idea of purchasing some property because each year we were renting campgrounds, some from non-Catholic groups and some purely secular groups. And 
every year we were throwing fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 away by rentals. Yeah. And so by purchasing the property, we're able to, to, to reinvest the money into our own property. We don't have the restrictions that uh, we would have in renting campgrounds, the dates and things. But a lot of preparation goes into it. You ha one has to prepare the counselors. You have to start searching for counselors. Of course, now we have a pretty good repetition of our counselors. And we want quality men for the boys' camp and women for the girls. <clears throat> And you have to have people that the parents are comfortable with also. So we send out letters uh, in February, March, April, uh, inviting men to come and to assist at the camp. Uh, there is the upkeep of the grounds. We do all of it ourselves. Uh, one reason why we can afford a camp is because, uh, at least during camp, all the people there are volunteers. Uh, we do pay some young men who are very willing to drive an hour out to the campground and back, and then work out there. Uh, we took several boys out there today, six of them actually, and uh, they're very dedicated and I'm very edified by them. You have to prepare the grounds. You want to give a nice product. You want it to be clean. You want it to be neat looking. We have, we're blessed with 58 acres of, of ground and uh, about 16 of that we mow each week or every other week, depending upon the climate, uh, and then the rest is wooded area. Now, one has to do that. One has to think of the uh, brochures. We have a printer who does very kind work for us, gratis. Uh, you have to get the brochures out, the advertising out. You have to order the, the food. or the, We have ladies that do that in large part, and most of all of it. Uh, you have to get the uh, awards for the kids. You have to uh, purchase the equipment for the games. You have to upkeep the crossbows and things. They require constant uh, repair. The, 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 we have a gun safety program. The guns have to have constant repair. And you have to get the ammunition. And uh, with our government as it is at times, it's sometimes difficult to get ammunition for uh, the firearms that we use and teach a gun safety program with. Uh, our gun safety program, you have to have instructors. We're blessed to have a federal air marshal teach the little kids. We're blessed to have a NRA instructor teach the middle-aged kids. And we're blessed to have a, tra a trainer for the United States Army teach the high power for the older kids. Uh, we, we're, we have a maintenance crew that has to be lined up because they're they save us thousands of dollars every year with the maintenance that they do because the buildings are constantly in need of maintenance. Uh, a lot of things today are made of, made of plastic and the plastic doesn't last forever like concrete. Uh, so you have all of that. You have uh, to get the registrations in. You have to get the medical help there so that the kids are well taken care of and uh, that the parents have confidence in it. Uh, you have to do take care of your mowers. You have to take care of the, of the grounds and all, all the upkeep that comes with that. You have to do fundraising. Actually, uh, I might add one thing, Brother Greenwell. You mentioned uh, that I wanted to buy some property so we could have our own camp. <laughs> Everything you said was, of course, completely true. But uh, my primary uh, motivation in getting our own property was that we could put up a chapel mm -hmm. because wherever we went, uh, to rent a property, we had to put together a makeshift chapel right. and keep the Blessed Sacrament 
present if possible. Uh, but uh, in order to actually uh, build a, a chapel that would be suitable for 150, 175 counselors and campers at one time, we had to have our own property and we had to invest in, uh, in building that as a separate structure, mm -hmm. as an actual church. And uh, getting our own property made that possible. So our Lord is present there in the Blessed Sacrament uh, night and day throughout the camps. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we have uh, permanent residents out there, uh, I, I'm hoping that we can have the, our Lord present there, you know, throughout the year. Um, but certainly during the camps and during the men's and women's retreats, we had the Blessed Sacrament now in a real tabernacle on a real altar in a real church. So that was my primary goal. Thank By you. the way, you didn't mention the cost of insurance. It must be no, that's pretty steep just to insure the cat, right? This uh, well over ten thousand dollars a year just for insurance. Mm -hmm. Father, yes. mentioning all of this, the the costs and everything. What what kind of fees do you charge for the summer camp? We charge an average of about two hundred and seventy dollars, and of the children that come to the camp, eighty percent of them can afford it. 20% cannot afford it, and we still take the 20 because we don't want to turn any child away that we we can take. I mean, God will provide, we feel, and Father Jenkins is very correct. And what Father Jenkins just said reminded me of something I think your viewers would like to hear. Uh, when, we've, when after uh, 1983 or so, we were having camps in different places, it was one family, uh, the Schaphacher family, who were generous enough to loan us their 700-acre farm. And they had a multi-car uh, garage for their tractors and implements of that nature. Uh, that was cleaned up every year and made into a chapel. And one year we, had, we always had very bad storms there near Clarksburg, Ohio. It seemed like they drew the tornadoes. And we always had very bad storms there. And one year they were predicting some very violent storms and the priest in charge that year this was before i was a priest had all the children come out of their tents and let them sleep in the pews in the cha in the makeshift chapel and one little boy about eight years of age was scared to death but then when he was brought into the chapel and the priest came and asked him are you scared now the little boy said no i'm not scared now jesus is here <laughs> And then that, that story stuck with me, and that's what we're trying to do with the children, give them a greater love for our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament for Our Lady. And as Father Jenkins says, having a chapel by itself there helps that, enables us to do so that much more easily and conveniently uh, with our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. These kids are really good kids, really good kids that we've got. The parents have done a tremendous job with these children, teaching them the love of the faith. And, and so a lot of our work in that regard is very easy. It's very easy. They have a fallen human nature, as we all do, but they have a certain love for our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, and it's edifying for us to see these devout young children as they pray Mass each day in, in the Rosary. Well, I, I see they have a certain thirst and hunger for spiritual truth. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they love it to attend Mass, they love to attend benediction, and uh, I see they're very devout. It's, it's wonderful to see their souls being fed, but I'm always in, in wonderment uh, that you can feed 150 boys and men good substantial meals three or four times a day 
uh, for 10 days. I mean, the, the staff in the kitchen must be phenomenal. <laughs> you know, I know you, you feed them spiritually and the, those who are assisting with the, from the congregation of St. Pius V and the seminarians so on help in, in so many ways. And the sisters, of course, for the girls' camp. But there's a whole squad of people behind the scenes who are actually feeding the bodies, and I consider that to be um, quasi-miraculous to feed them all. There are two or three ladies in particular that take on this task, and uh, you ask, what preparations do I make? They begin preparing food weeks and months in advance. They go out in February, March, or April and try to get good deals on beef or whatever the, whatever the market or whatever the menu allows, and things, and they, they will freeze that, and they will cook it and transport it with license and everything. It's all very, no one's gotten sick from the food. It's all very safe. It's fault regulated by the Board of Health and things. They actually go home heavier than when they arrived. Probably a couple of inches taller, too. They are well fed. Or at least wider. Wider, yes, indeed. But what about the legacy, though? I mean, a lot of, a lot of effort goes into it, as I mentioned uh, Tom here. Uh, well, the green wolf, but what is it? What is it that justifies all of that effort? Well, the reason why I do it, or what? Do what, what does the camp actually accomplish? Do you think? I think the camp has actually accomplished. It's uh, we we have some of our young people here today who have been at the camp, and I think it gives them a greater appreciation of the faith. Saint John Bosco said that one of the most important times for a priest to be with his boys was when they were recreating because their hearts are more naturally and easily opened than when they're having enjoyment and fun like that. And it's important for the boys to see the priests share in their recreations also. Uh, one of the boys asked me, what do I get out of camp? He just asked that to me two weeks ago. What, what is your best time at camp? And I said, seeing you all. Seeing these, these kids with smiling faces. They're with some of the, some of the finest men that we have where they're at camp, I believe. And in a business world, you always want to rub elbows with men that will make you better men. And I think that's what we tried to do at camp. One such man was Officer Eric Talley. Perhaps you remember him in the news. Uh, he was, was a counselor of ours for three or four years. He was bringing his own boys. He's a father of seven, I believe. From Colorado. From Colorado. He's bringing his own boys, and he's even bringing them to Holy Week in Cleveland also. All this was traced back to camp. Uh, Eric Talley was a young man about 40 years of age, about that, maybe 50-ish. He was a police officer from Boulder, Colorado, and uh, he heard, as he was with his partner in the police car, he heard of a um, person who was, had gone into a grocery store with a gun and was shooting the people. He, he, he had a, a woman partner, and he, he told her, he was her superior, I guess, he told her to stay in the car. He didn't want her hurt. He went in, I think, with a revolver. Maybe he went in with a rifle, I'm not sure. But the gentleman, and I use that term loosely, the gentleman in the store shooting people had a high-powered rifle. Eric, nevertheless, courageously went into the grocery store and confronted the man and was shot in the head and killed. His wife became a widow of seven children. And so we just, Father Jenkins and I, just built a new building out there. We call it the Tally House. We needed it to staff, staff. We needed it to house some staff in worthy quarters. 
uh, worthy bedrooms, worthy uh, bathrooms and things. We built an eight-bedroom eight, uh, building, and a lot of that was due to supporters of what Catholics believe. Father Jenkins gave me permission to use the names two years ago to write letters, and I wrote, a, I think, 160 letters to the uh, devotees of what Catholics believe, and uh, they came up with the money to build the building. We were 5,000 short, and God provided that 5,000 for us also. We were 5,000 short of our goal. Uh, and that's due to the supporters of what Catholics believe, and I'm very grateful to you and to the program that Father Jenkins has week after week after week produced with Utah <coughs> and others. Very grateful, and you've done a great thing. But uh, I want to see these children, I want to see their, their children 20 years from now. And so I want to see the Catholic faith carried on by them. It's not going to be carried on by Father Jenkins and myself. Uh, we're not getting any younger, as you've noticed. He has gray hair and I have no hair. Uh, so, I mean, uh, our lives are coming to an end, and it's going to be the young people, the young ladies and young men, who will carry the faith on, who will make our country what, uh, worthy once again, uh, to be called a country of, of God's people, perhaps, when we get rid of abortion and all the other crimes of this country. Mm. You know, Father Grimo, uh, you mentioned uh, St. John Bosco and his statement that it's good for the clergy to be involved with the, with the boys when they're having fun. Uh, that was a key principle of his, you know, when their hearts are open and they, they see, well, it's important for them to understand that, that uh, the true religion, the Catholic religion, is not just very stern and grim, okay? Uh, especially today when there's so much going on, the revolution has done so much damage. Um, but he wanted them also to have good memories of their faith and um, to actually know the love of God as it was expressed uh, by those who have the faith and live the faith, especially the clergy. It was important that they know that. Um, so I, that's a very good point, and that's why I think the camp does so much good. And I see year by year that campers are returning as counselors, uh, junior counselors, and the junior counselors are returning as senior counselors. And so you have of two or three generations represented there <clears throat> at the camp, and so it, it just kind of is self-perpetuating that way. And that we see boys who came there as youngsters uh, who are, are now actually serving as counselors, and they know the camp well, and they know what the camp's ideals, and they represent uh, the faith very well. You, you mentioned what you get out of the camp, and you say uh, that you enjoy seeing uh, the joy of the boys, right? the, the fact that they're enjoying themselves in a Catholic way and they're uh, actually, you know, are, uh, serving God and, and adore, adoring God, actually, by the way that they, they live at camp, the way they talk, the way they edify each other, the way they worship God at the Mass and the sacraments. But I think something else you got out of camp was a black eye. And uh, you got that out of camp, too, this year. Mm -hmm. And you were umping, umping, umpiring a game, a softball game for the kids, right? And I guess there was a foul tip. Uh, the, the catcher didn't stop, and you did. So, uh, <clears throat> in fact, I asked Brother Greenwood to take the, the center seat here for the program. Um, but he was afraid that if he sat looking head on, you'd notice the black eyes. So he's trying to conceal... <laughs> <laughs> the black eye, you got a cap. 
So when we're talking about what you get out of camp, well, I, I can add to that one thing, I know, uh, is that black eye, but I think it's, it's kind of a testimony to the fact that you are actually living what St. John Bosco said. You're there active with the youngsters and uh, taking part in their, in their camp activities with them, and that's very important. So, and you have the black eye to prove it. <laughs> Blood, sweat, and tears for the camp this year. <laughs> Hopefully it was worth it, Father Greenwell. Uh, well, Father, I, I can just give a, a bit of a, a testimony with... Um, uh, you know, you said you, you want to uh, see the, the campers returning and, and see the next generation. I, um, as you know, I, I, uh, I think my first year at camp, I was six or seven and uh, attended every, every year of my childhood. And I can definitely say that was the highlight of my, my summer, of my whole year. Each, each, uh, each time it came around, I remember I could definitely not sleep the night before camp. I was always so excited. Um, so definitely all kinds of great, great memories from that, great um, friendships, lasting friendships that, that were made out there. Uh, but this year actually was the, uh, the first year we sent our oldest daughter to girls camp um, this year. So that was uh, great, great fun to have her out there. I think um, she just bo came bounding in the door um, after camp and told me that she had so much fun. <laughs> I don't think she's, she stopped talking about camp since then. So uh it's kind of uh, really neat to um, see the, the generational uh, thing carry on, and definitely a lot of a lot of great great memories, as I say, out there. So definitely very very grateful for that, Father. But uh, I wanted to you you mentioned uh, the the fees were about two hundred and eighty dollars. Um, you said there's ten days though for the boys. That averages about twenty eight dollars a day, Father. That is an extremely low. Uh, low fee. I mean, compared to other um, other other similar camps or, or anything like that. Um, with just considering all of the activities, all of the food, all the preparation, everything that that goes into it, Father, how can you uh, how can you provide so much at such a low cost? Well, we do so because of the fundraisers that we have in our parishes. Uh, we have novena masses and. Faithful give donations to have their relatives and loved ones in the masses, and those donations go to the uh, St. Thomas Aquinas Summer Camp. Uh, but also, uh, because they're all volunteers, uh, we don't pay anyone anything to work at camp. They get graces, they get, get benefits from heaven. They have a better retirement. Uh, but we have donors who contribute about 30% of our budget and without those donors we couldn't do what we did. We will have to raise our fees this year. Uh, food went up almost 70 percent this year feeding the kids at camp. Uh, from what I've gathered so far it's about 70 percent increase in the, in the food. Uh, we pay rent to the foundation which is over half of their what we collect from each, uh, each paying camper and things. Uh, but uh, it's because people are kind and willing to, and they see the importance of this with the children, and so so do we. Uh, we don't we don't profit anything, and we rely upon our benefactors, uh, in a large part, to help with that. And uh, um, that's basically we have pounds of silver raffles, we have dinners, we have yard sales, and this is all done with the help of energetic people some of our parishioners and some of the parents of our, of our children, and some of the children themselves help with the fundraisers. Father, those fees that you do collect, what all do those go to? I mean, of course, there's, there's food expense um, that you mentioned, but what else do all of those fees go to? Well, rent of the campground takes about 60% of the fees we collect. 
The food takes about 20%. The permits and licenses and things. This is a uh, an official campground. It's uh, it's considered, I guess, in commercial or industrial because you ha- you're having so many non-related people together. And the upkeep and maintenance is about 10% or 15%. It, it, it takes thousands of dollars every year just to get the place mowed, mm-hmm. just to get the ponds treated and things. Just And we have... We have an orchard out there also we have bees as well that we've bought and sold honey uh we bought the bees and we've sold the honey and you've gotten stings out of those bees also um same eye i think right <laughs> all over oh. all, all over okay. father Grimble does the uh the apiary work and the bees love him they go for the They're, eyes but they go everywhere else too yeah. any place it's not covered yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, As a matter of fact, one day, uh, Brother Greenwald and I arrived out there, and he went back to check the bees, and when he found me, he had a big smile on his face and said, I've got good news. I, I knew that was not good. <laughs> and he said, we've had three swarms <laughs> at once, three swarms. So he, uh, he dragooned me into going and collecting all three of those swarms. Uh, he's put a lot of effort into developing the beehives, and uh, comes out with quarts and quarts of honey, yeah, excellent yeah, honey. Yeah. So uh, Father Greenwell does uh, roughly 100% of the work out there to maintain it. One thing that might be a little confusing, though, uh, when you mentioned that we rent the camp, but we own the camp. Yes. <clears throat> uh, and I thought it might be a good idea to explain that the fact that there's a foundation, the St. Thomas Aquinas Foundation, that actually holds title to the property. And uh, they, the actual conducting of the camp itself actually is the operation of the Society of St. Pius V. And in order to kind of keep the two distinct, the foundation and the society, for a number of reasons, uh, the society actually pays rent to the foundation to use the camp, uh, but the foundation itself pays the insurance and pays the for the upkeep of the of the ground grounds throughout the year right so all of the monies actually go to maintain the camp um but the foundation is something distinct the operation of the camp itself is actually an operation of the society seen by the fifth mm-hmm. father what the, other the foundations of 501c3 mm-hmm. non uh, non-profit organization you're about to say i'm sorry okay what what other facilities do you do you have on the uh on the campgrounds you mentioned the the chapel that we have out there and the the uh, the, the beehives. What else? What else do you have? Well, we have about uh, fifty-eight acres, and the chapel, as Father Jenkins mentioned, seats about one hundred and fifty comfortably. Then there's a conference room attached to it, which seats about forty. There's a pavilion, which was our very first building, and the pavilion has served multiple purposes. It's a forty by eighty building, has a commercial kitchen in it. It has a place where 170 people can eat, which we had a we had as many as 179 this year. We had an average of 160, I think. And then we used to have this a sanctuary on the other end of that uh, building. We have uh, five bunk facilities. The Father Jenkins calls them lodges. Is what they are. They're air-conditioned buildings with uh, that can hold 28 people each. Uh, one of them is a as a Tent that a, a parishioner of ours was very kind to pour concrete for it, and another parishioner to give us the frame and the uh, tarp over it. Uh, has uh, 
ceiling fans and uh, exhaust fans in it and electricity in it. Uh, then we also have a swimming pool, which is really essential for the children in the hot summer when you get the boys playing soccer or volleyball or <coughs> soccer and things in 95-degree weather. How big is that pool? I've got a lot of boys and a lot of girls here and uh, at different times, obviously. Times. But uh, how large is that pool? The pool is 78,000 gallons. It's 30 by 60. Okay, well, that'll accommodate a lot of, uh, it, a lot it, of kids. Accommodate comfortably 40 at a time where you can keep track of them. Mm-hmm. You can put more in there. For safety. Uh, yes, you can put more in there, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then we have a two sand volleyball courts. We have a basketball court. We have a softball field. We have a soccer field. We have a bombardment field. We have a field where they shoot skeet. Have, we have a gun range. We have a campfire. We have a staff building where some of the counselors and sisters and seminarians. So we have two residences also where Father Jenkins and I will eventually retire to. Uh, those will be our homes. Uh, they're about 30 by 40 small homes, but they're nice. Father Colonel is very hopeful. We're very, very, very blessed <laughs> by God. Uh, with we'll all see if that happens. And, that, that's, and, a, and a two or three acre pond, which is stocked with fish, and the kids go fishing, and some of them catch uh, uh, some rather large fish, large fish for a private pond, uh, mm-hmm. foot long, 14, 16, 18 inches long, bass and sunfish and catfish and things of that nature. Very good. Father, why uh, why pick the name St. Thomas Aquinas? I mean, I know uh, my patron saint is one of the best, but I'm sure you had other motivations in picking that name. Why, why is he the patron of the summer camp? Well, Father Jenkins actually picked that name when because we were at St. Thomas Aquinas Seminary, and we were using their facilities, so Father Jenkins started the camp. Uh, I was a seminarian at the time. He uh, named it after the uh, patron of education. He sees the camp as not only sports and religious, but he wants it to be an educational camp as well. And it is. And then the, the fact that the children are taught the catechism, it is also uh, in that we're going to try to develop a survival course out there for some of the select campers next year who would want to participate in that and learn how to do fires, learn how to make ropes, learn how to build shelters, learn how to forage for food and what berries they can and can't eat, what things they need to avoid. Uh, but St. Thomas Aquinas is obviously one of the greatest saints in heaven. He's a pro- perhaps the most intellectual saint in heaven, and he's a patron of education. And I think that's probably why Father Jenkins picked it. He also I think went to school in St. Thomas. Was it St. Thomas Moore? I graduated from St. Thomas Aquinas High School in Florida. Florida. Yes. Okay. He's very devoted to St. Thomas. Good deal. Father, if someone wants to um, get any more information about summer camp or maybe even see about attending summer camp or volunteering or helping out, how would you uh, prefer that they they contact you? How could they find out more information? Well, we do have a website. Uh, I'm not big on the web, and uh, I usually have other people do that. I'm rather... uh, like a dinosaur, uh, but we do have a website for St. Thomas Aquinas Summer Camp that can get information there, and they can also contact me uh, through the church in Cincinnati. The number would be 513-731-8771, and I'd be happy to talk to them. I'd, I'd, I, I think that's, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think it's now 8773. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, 513-731-8773, I think is actually the functioning number. Okay. Uh, you don't want me to give you a private number, I suppose. 
<laughs> not necessarily over, not necessarily over the line. I mean, but keep in mind, like when you mentioned, if they want to counseling, we want to know who's watching our kids. Yeah. And we do have, we do, there, there are laws in Ohio that they passed three or four or five years ago. Uh, one of the laws uh, says that everyone must have a background check through BCI or FBI who has anything to do with any kids at any time. And that's very expansive. Yeah. And our own representative, who's a part of our pro-life group, and they said it was too expensive. It includes the milkman bringing a bottle of milk to your house. You want to follow it literally by the law. But we do. We do. All of our counselors have background checks and things, and we want to know who they are, and so do our parents. So, I mean, uh, most anybody would be welcome to come to observe and to help in some manner, but whether they would be a counselor right away or not, they would want to know who they are. And, Sure. Uh, they have make right decisions. You know, you really are a dinosaur. I am. You just proved it. When was the last time a milkman brought a bottle of milk to somebody's door? Going <laughs> <laughs> yeah. back to prehistoric times, it seems now. But uh, well, point well, well, well made, though. <laughs> For safety's sake, right? Right. And we are very concerned about that. Yeah. Very careful about that. Well, that's great. Um, Father Jenkins, Father Greenwell, anything else that you'd like to add about the summer camp or... Anything else in general you'd like to mention on tonight's program? I, I would like to mention something because I'm rarely on your program. Yes. And I'm very grateful to be here tonight, but I'm very great grateful for you and Father Jenkins to do this every week. It's a very important thing. And people are listening all across, not just the country, but across the world. And uh, you're doing your part to further the reign of Christ the King. We'll certainly bless you and all those who help make this possible, the engineers that you have out here tonight that are making this program possible, and I'm very grateful to you for that. Thank you. God bless. <clears throat> Thank you, Father Reno. And I would like to ask prayers. We often ask for those prayers at the beginning of the program, but uh, and unfortunately, I, I don't always remember everyone. Um, it's almost impossible, but I, I do remember some who definitely need the prayers very much. Of course, please pray for Joe Percher and pray for Fred Skierke, uh, both of whom are quite ill. And uh, I ask you to pray for some little children who are, are ill as well. Uh, please keep in your prayers. Um, a dear soul passed away just this morning. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Newman will be having her funeral today at the church on Friday. There's also so many other good souls we know who uh, need those prayers and would benefit from them. Please, uh, please keep them all in your prayers. And uh, I know they will reward your prayers by offering prayers and even some of their sacrifices they'll make for you too. So, my bless you and Father Greenwood, thanks for being in the program. I, the open invitation is there, you know, and uh, perhaps people will contact Tom and let them know they want you back. <laughs> Uh, as often as you can get here, even to sit in the in the center seat here. Yeah, probably do that as Ash Wednesday and Lent rolls around so they can do penance. <laughs> thank you. God bless you. Yes, thank you. Well, both. welcome down that. Thank you both for being here. I appreciate it. Father Jenkins, good to see you. Father Greenwell, great to have you back. Hopefully we can thank have you again soon. Gentlemen. Appreciate it. And thanks to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady of Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you and God bless you.